2: support the podcast please like and share with other teachers thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast
0: and now here are laura and rhonda
1: Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. I am Rhonda Arlt, and I'm thrilled to be here with my Whole Brain Teaching bestie, Laura. How are you doing today, Laura?
2: I'm good, Rhonda. How are you? Doing
1: well. Doing well. Thank you.
2: Good. Well, we want to welcome Coach B back to the podcast Coach is a wealth of information, as you have heard throughout season four, and is always so willing to share his latest and greatest ideas with us on the podcast. Today, Coach is here to bring us an important topic, the three-story brain, a simple way to understand and change student behavior. And I am a geek when it comes to all things brain-related, so I am really excited about this conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, Coach.
0: So delighted to be here. Let me say at the start, we're not gonna be using a lot of complex brain terminology like we often do like hippocampus and amygdala and prefrontal cortex, etc. cetera. We'll bring a little of that in, but the idea is what is the simplest way for teachers to understand the brain that will give them insights into how to change student behavior. So you don't want to be cycling through a bunch of vocabulary in your head. Laura, explain how excited you are whenever we try to make Laura's life simpler. Go ahead.
2: You don't know how much I appreciate that, Coach. Keeping my life simple. um, Yeah, that would be refreshing, really. So thank you for that, Coach.
0: (laughs) All right, Rhonda, this one's just for you. Let's just start with a little story. You're sitting on the beach. You're fortunate to be sitting on the beach at Isla Mujeres, which is just off the coast of the Yucatan, where my wife and I spent our vacation. You're happy to be there. And as you're sitting on the beach, Rhonda, your mind is wandering from this thing to that thing. The odd thing about going on a vacation to relax is You sit on the beach and your mind goes from this to that to the other thing. All right. Where are you, Rhonda? And what is your mind doing? Go, girl. Well,
1: I'm on the beach, which I enjoy. So I appreciate that visual. And my mind is going from one thing to the other as I'm trying to relax on this beach. But my mind is bouncing back through all these ideas and things.
0: Your mind is wandering. Right now. Laura, you're there with your good friend, what a delightful time and your mind has been wandering, but you're a practical type. You get out your cell phone and you look at your calculator and you start figuring out what the bill is gonna be and what the taxes are gonna be and you're problem solving at that point. Your mind is not wandering, it's looking at the cell phone And you're trying to figure some stuff out. Completely different mental state than mind wandering. We'll just call it reasoning or problem solving. Go ahead, Laura.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm there with Rhonda, which sounds magnificent, really. And um but instead of really enjoying my surroundings, I am more focused, but I'm focused on my phone. I'm figuring out maybe how much this trip is gonna cost, um, who who we need to pay the tab to, and all those things.
0: Now, Rhonda, I hate to spoil the vacation, but I'm going to. You're sitting there, your mind has been wandering, and then you start talking to Laura about money problems, which is a different mental state. We'll just call it reasoning. And you feel, feel a little ticklish thing on your leg, and you look down, and it's a big green spider. Yikes! So your mind is not wandering. You are not problem solving. You automatically go into fight, flee, or freeze, and you just, without reflection, again, this is automatic, you swipe the spider away. But at, So let's get the spider off your leg. Go ahead, Ron, and we'll talk about what's going on inside you.
1: Okay. Instead of my mind wandering, I feel this tickle on my leg and I see it's this big green spider and I start freaking out. So I whack that spider off my leg. Yes. Now, Rhonda,
0: handily enough, you don't have to and you shouldn't reason, think or plan when you're in a small or large emergency. Right. What's happening is is that, and here's a technical term, inside your brain, the amygdala is sending signals to your adrenal glands, which are on top of your kidneys. And the adrenal glands are pumping out cortisol. I'm sorry, another vocabulary word. And cortisol makes your heart beat faster, tenses your muscles, because you're ready to fight or flee, increases your breathing rate, all of this automatically. What I'm stressing here is that mind wandering is something we do naturally. Problem solving is something we have to do deliberately. And it's very different than mind wandering. And this emotional response is something that happens in a split second automatically. And it makes a physiological change in our body. We'll call it the stress response. That's an awful lot to summarize. Laura, good luck. <laughs> Why didn't she oh,
2: dude, I thought this was Rodister. No, I'm just uh, uh, <laughs> no, we'll
0: put the spider on both legs.
2: Okay. So um, when we have a situation come up that requires our immediate response to it, such as a spider's crawling on us and we are in like the fight or the flight. So getting up, running away, swiping it off our leg. That's going to cause the amygdala to send cortisol, or anyway, pub to
0: the adrenal glands. Which yeah. yeah, yeah, and
2: then that creates an emotional response, which also, in turn, creates a physiological response in our body. So our heart rate increases, our breathing becomes rapid, um, we might sweat. All these things start happening to our body because we're having this. E- emotional response to a stimulus.
0: We also have more glucose on our bloodstream, um, all of which is good for this dangerous situation. But Rhonda, I want you to understand that after you swipe away the spider, your heart is still beating rapidly. The cortisol is still in your system. Right. Your breathing is increased you've got increased amounts of blood sugar, it takes you a while to come down from that emotional jolt. You can move from wandering mind to problem solving, problem solving to wandering mind. But when you're in this emotional feeling state, it hangs on for a while, as well it should, because you don't know if there's another spider around. So Rhonda, explain how it's gonna take you a little while Probably by talking to Laura, venting a little bit to calm down. Go ahead.
1: Right. So our body's in this fight or flight mode after swiping that spider. So our heart rate's up, our breathing's heavier. We have that glucose in our blood. And it's going to take time for that to all settle down before we can go on. It might help to talk about it. It might help to just take some deep breaths. But our body is still in that, that mode for a while.
0: Now, Laura... Here's the unhappy thing about the stress response. Two weeks later, you could see a picture of a spider in a book and boom, it sets off the stress response. The amygdala is not rational, it's pre-rational. It shoots a signal to the adrenal glands which pump cortisol into your system, which raises your blood pressure, etc. just from the picture of the spider. Because again, the amygdala is not where we're reasoning. It's where we're reacting. Talk about that dang spider two weeks later.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we've had this emotional response, a stress response to something that actually happened to us. Then two weeks later, you know, we see a picture or there's a movie with a spider in it or something like that. And we find out that our amygdala is going to have that same reaction all over again, even though that threat is not physically there. Like it was on the beach.
0: Yes. Now, Rhonda, let's get serious here. Okay. We have this terrible phenomenon called PTSD post-traumatic stress, uh, syndrome. And if you've had something terrible happen to you repeatedly in a war far worse than the spider on your leg, you can re-experience those terrible emotions over and over again. Now, kids are in a situation who grow up in poverty with an unpredictable life, not enough sleep, Poor nutrition, no telling what's going to happen when. They're not in post-traumatic stress syndrome. They're in current stress syndrome. They're on the edge because they don't know what often negative thing is going to happen next. Laura, talk about the situation of so many kids in our classrooms. Now, Laura, listen. One Kid in five is living below the poverty line. And the poverty line, contemplate it. Family of four making less than twenty-four thousand dollars a year. Think about that and how that would change our lives if we're in that situation. Talk about the emotional state of kids. Yes. Now we're talking a little more seriously.
2: Right. So we do have this PTSD that you were that you were discussing. And we've I think most of us have heard heard of that, especially when we talk about you know, things like war or other things that are are pretty traumatic. Um, But when we're talking about our students, they're in a current state of stress because possibly poverty, um, poor nutrition, um, family dynamics that could be less than desirable. All those things bring our students into our classroom in a, in a current, not something that happened, you know, not, past or post but it is current stress syndrome
0: yes now Rhonda, i want you to think of the brain as being a building with three stories
1: okay
0: you've got the basement you've got the ground floor and there's only one room on the top floor We'll call it the study, the top floor study. Tell me the three stories in this brain building. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So you are referencing the brain as a three-story building with the bottom level being the basement. And then the the next level is the ground level. And then that upper level is going to be the study area.
0: Yes. Now, Laura, the ground level is characterized by mind wandering. That's what your mind does most of the time. Scientists say it's 50% of the time. It's normal, Laura, Mm -hmm. get this dear friend, it's normal Mm -hmm. for your brain to wander. That's what brains do, it's called the default mode. Mm -hmm. The technical term here is task unrelated thoughts tuts let's think about that you're cooking dinner the same meal you've cooked a whole bunch of time and you're not thinking about the meal that's the task Mm -hmm. you're thinking about a task unrelated thought which is christmas presents in-laws coming Mm -hmm. talk about task unrelated thoughts ground floor of the brain the normal state of the brain is for the mind to wander. Talk about that, Laura.
2: Okay. So the, the normal state of the brain is for the mind to wander. And what came to my mind while you were talking about that, coach, was when I drive, when I drive off from my route all the time, right? Yep. I mean, I can think about, oh, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Um, or if I'm driving to the grocery store, oh, what's that list in my head that I'm going over that I need to that I need to uh buy? So it's It's our default mode of our brain, right? We're thinking about tasks that are unrelated to what we're currently doing.
0: Yes. So Rhonda, I hope you haven't had this experience, but I'm positive you have. You walk into a room and you say to yourself, why am I here? (laughs) Your mind, Rhonda, wandered so rapidly that as you moved down the hall, You went to something else, you get in the room, and you have no recall about your purpose in arriving there. Your mind was wandering, and you lost the very last thought. Rhonda, go ahead. True confessions. Talk about your mind wandering. Absolutely.
1: You're talking about me. I thought it was maybe old age, but sometimes I guess my mind has wandered too much that I get to a room and not sure why I'm there or what I need to do or what I was going in to get. So definitely can relate to
0: that one. Laura, I want you to get this deep into your understanding. And that is kids' brains by default wander. Mm -hmm. They think about recess, then they think about the bird call outside, Mm -hmm. and then they look at their fascinating shoelaces. That is the normal state of the brain. Mm -hmm. It is abnormal to study and reason. Mm -hmm. It's normal to sit on the beach and watch the scene. Talk about that, Laura, and tell your dear listeners Uh, This is going to help you have a little bit more patience when Wild Jack is fiddling with his new shoelaces. Come on, Laura.
2: Yeah, I think as teachers, we can all relate to this because I think how many times have I asked a content question and the hands fly up, right? And then you call on that one. You're like, I know it. They're going to have the best answer to this. And (laughs) They tell you that they visited their grandma or they're, you know, they got a new puppy this weekend. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about. So their mind's been wandering that whole time that we've been trying to uh, incorporate some content. But this is, as you said, this is a kid's brain by default. Right? This is they, the ground like, floor. Right. This is uh-huh. where they're at. They're, it's It's abnormal at their age, and I teach third grade, to be thinking about study and reason.
0: Now, Rhonda, ground floor is mind wandering. It's normal, we all do it. The top floor we're saying is the study room. There's only one room there and that's where kids are and we are when we're problem solving. When you're thinking about the budget on the vacation island, or when you're looking at a new recipe that you have to think about as you cook, or when you're drawing up a Christmas list, that's problem solving. You can't do it when your mind is wandering. When your mind wanders, you stop problem solving. Mm -hmm. So the top floor is where we want kids to be. And it's often a steep climb up there. This is where they are reading, writing, doing critical thinking, responding to our questions. It's not the normal brain activity. It uses the prefrontal cortex. It's the reasoning part of the brain. But it is not easy to access because it's very easy, especially, Rhonda, when you're doing something unpleasant, it's it's very easy for you to start thinking about something else. Talk about it, Rhonda. Okay,
1: so we know that that ground floor is the mind wandering, but the top floor is the study level, and this is where um, we want kids to be in our classroom. It's the problem solving. It's that prefrontal cortex. This is where we want them critically thinking, doing um, curriculum activities and things like that.
0: Now, Laura, basement. The basement is Dark. Lonely, underground, windowless. The basement of your brain is where all the machinery of the house is located. Heating, air conditioning, plumbing, electrical connections. In a sturdy house. Everything in the basement functions well and makes life on the top two floors so pleasant. Mm. The other thing that's in this basement is an alarm system, Laura. Mm -hmm. And in a sturdy house, the alarm system protects you from intruders and mishaps. In a creaky house, in the basement of a creaky house, where many of our kids spend hours upon hours, the alarm system is broken. Mm -hmm. You never know when it's going to go off. When it does go off, you have a hard time shutting it back down. And so this basement area, which is meant to function automatically, as we saw swiping the spider away, Mm. for kids who are living in the basement because of poverty, unpredictability, not enough sleep or food, family chaos, they're down there shut off from other brain functions. Mm. Talk about kids when they're in the basement. We'll call it meltdown. (laughs) Go ahead, Laura.
2: Yeah. So the basement is going to be that meltdown space that you're talking about. It's dark. It's lonely. It's underground. But this is also where all the machinery is for the rest of the house or the rest of the brain. Um, And when things are functioning well, that's good. But this alarm system that you were talking about in some of our kids, it's broken. And so that alarm is going off all the time rather than just when there is a true emergency.
0: Now, Rhonda, in terms of brain anatomy, the basement is really the brain stem and the limbic system. The brain stem regulates heartbeat and breathing. It keeps you alive. It's the survival center and Andy enough we don't have to think about it because if we had to think about it, we'd have to keep reminding ourselves to take a breath and keep our heart beating. So now we have these three levels of the brain, Rhonda. What can we do with them? All right, first of all, Rhonda, a lot of kids are coming into our classroom, perhaps 80 to 90% either on the ground floor or the basement. They have no reason to go to the top floor and problem solve. Their ground floor or basement. Rhonda, talk about that.
1: Okay, so we've explained everything about the brain, the three parts of the house or the building but you're now discussing what can we do? And the first thing that we need to think about is that 80 to 90% of our students coming in are at that basement level or that ground
0: floor level. Yes. Rhonda, their minds are wandering, as you know, or they're feeling awful because the alarm is ringing in their head. Now, Rhonda, you know from bitter experience that if a kid's brain is wandering, which is normal, and you scold them, it can send them to the basement. It can set off an alarm. They can slam that basement door. And there they are locked away from you. And all they're doing was their mind was wandering. So scold <laughs> a kid whose mind is wandering, they go to the basement. Laura explain how we're now using this analogy to give us some insights about student behavior. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So we've talked about how the wandering brain is normal. It's normal for our kids. It's normal for us as well. But when we pair that with scolding, when we see a child that is want their mind is wandering and then we scold them um, inadvertently we're going to send them down to that basement level. They're going to go down there. Um, alarms are going to start going off. So we got to figure out how
0: not to let that happen. Now, Rhonda, if a kid is in the basement level having a meltdown and you scold him, they'll lock themselves in. You've seen it. Locked in a meltdown. Alarm is ringing so hard that they perceive you as the threat. So scold a kid when they're on the ground floor, mind wandering, send them to the basement, scold a kid in a meltdown and you lock them in the basement. Rhonda, explain the power. Thus far, this analogy, go ahead. All right. So we talked about the wandering
1: mind student, but if a student is in the basement and then we scold that locks them in, and we are perceived as the threat. Yes.
0: Laura, we talk all about connections. And when you scold a kid who's in meltdown, you severed an already frayed connection. It doesn't work. If scolding worked, we'd have no problems. We could give a simple seminar on how to scold effectively. (laughs) Get down at the kid's level, raise your voice, Shake your finger at them, make threatening gestures, problem solve. They'll run upstairs to the study room and start doing critical thinking. All right, Laura, I see that you're smiling. Now, yes. what can we do? Well, Andre Desatel in the last six months has had a massive influence on me and other people, and he works with kids who are melting down once a day, more often. His first step is to go down into the basement with the kid, sit next to them, harmonize their breathing and say things like, I've got you, we will help you through this, I know this is difficult, which is to say, I know hearing that alarm is making you feel cuckoo. Mm-hmm. So empathize, connect, identify when a kid is in a meltdown. If you want to help him get up the stairs, Laura, talk about that.
2: Yeah, I I love the work that Andres doing, and so. What we need to do when we see our students in this meltdown, this basement state is we need to go down into the basement with them. We need to get on their level, level, excuse me, sit by them, breathe with them, regulate with them um, and validate their feelings. I'm here. I, I see this is hard um, and and that's going to help create that or stabilize that connection because you had talked about how that connection may be frayed and then if we're screaming at them or scolding them it's going to ruin that connection this in turn will help kind of repair or make that connection stronger
0: yeah. Rhonda, the word we love is harmonize you're going to sit down and harmonize with this kid feel what they're feeling let him or her see that you're feeling what they're feeling and that your only motive is not to try to talk them out of their emotions, but just convince them that you get it, you feel it. And you know what? You do feel it, you feel what they're feeling. Now here is a brilliant first step by Andre. Andre says that when he can get a kid to calm down or he gets them out of the room, what he says to them, Rhonda is, he doesn't say why are you feeling like that? Can't you get over it? Don't you see that you're upsetting everyone? Do you want me to call your mother? You're going to go to the office unless you stop that young man. He says, "What's your favorite color?" Think about that. As soon as the kid says blue, he went to the top floor. He made a rational non emotional judgment. The problem was, what's my favorite color? Well, I know the answer to that. So by talking about things that don't have to do with the basement, what's your favorite color? How's your pet doing? Who's the greatest superhero? By starting with that kind of dialogue, you're posing questions, which is problem solving, which goes immediately to the top floor. Talk about that. Wow. I'm just amazed.
1: I wish I would have had this knowledge when I was in the classroom because I can see so many kids that it would have helped with. But getting back to the topic here, if a kid's in the basement, you're trying to kind of harmonize with them. You're trying to be empathetic to their feelings, validating their feelings. But instead of taking them out of the classroom and questioning them about what they're feeling, you know, why they're doing this, you know you send in a question that takes them to that top level that they have to think about and make a decision about. So like, what's your favorite color? Or um, if you had a pet, what would be your favorite pet? So it gets them thinking in that um, problem-solving reasoning instead of that basement alarm level.
0: Laura, kids come to your room and we ask them as soon as they step through the door to play Fiverr they rate their feelings one to five on their chest. When they rate their feelings, their reasoning, their problem solving, small problem, little bit of reasoning, but it's different than feeling crummy. Mm. Feeling crummy is inarticulate. I can barely talk, but when I say I'm a one or a two, We know over and over again that just that, communicating with someone else, you're not alone in the basement. The teacher's here with you. Eye contact and smile. We're on the top floor study. Momentarily, talk about Fiverr and why rating emotion is very different brain state than feeling an emotion. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Fiverr allows them to articulate how they're feeling. They're having to think about and reason how they're feeling. So I love Fiverr for that reason.
0: Now, Rhonda, what can we do? What's the very best thing we can do to get kids to the top floor? Now, Rhonda, understand a kid has no innate reason to stop mind wandering. And a kid in the throes of basement emotions can barely see their way forward through life. We want them on the top floor. So here's what we do in whole brain teaching. Rhonda. Yes. We remodel the study into a game room. That's what We do. Rhonda, explain that, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but it's all stuff you and Laura already know. Go ahead. All right. So
1: the best thing to do is to remodel the study level into a game
0: room. That's it. And Laura, when you change the study level into a game room, it isn't that you stop studying. It's that You use your reason and problem solve how to win the stinking game. The game could be stories. It could be super improver. You've got your power rings on. Uh, You're coaxing and rewarding. Uh, You're doing all the stuff that we do in whole brain teaching. You're gamifying instruction. And all day long, the kids are either practicing for a game or they're playing a game change the study into the game room, and games magnetically draw kids up the stairs to reason about a simple, vital problem. How do I win? Talk about the remodeling that's going on in whole brain teaching classrooms around the world. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So changing that study into remodeling it into a game room where that gives students the opportunity to use that reasoning and those problem solving skills in order to win the game, whatever game that is that you're playing.
0: All right. Here we have three insights from this three story brain analogy. One. Punishment threats, scolding, consequences send kids to the basement. Rhonda, give us one insight based upon the three-story brain. Okay, so the the problem, the punishment and the scolding send
1: them directly into the basement. So we know this this isn't going to work because we want them at that top level.
0: Laura, another insight is it's normal for kids not to pay attention. So you're asking them to do something abnormal. Talk about the second insight.
2: So like you stated at the beginning of the podcast, it's normal for kids' brains to wander. So we're asking them to do something that is abnormal.
0: Yes. The third insight is, ladies, if we could give a kid in the basement a video game, they climb right on up the stairs, up to the top floor. We've got beloved rascals who are playing video games all day long because they're delighting in the problem solving that generates dopamine and uncertain rewards. So the third insight is to get kids to the top floor, where they're reasoning and doing math and all the rest of those things, we need a game. Like Super Improver that rewards for improvement, and we know from thousands of hours of classroom research that dice rolls and Super Improver change behavior like no other. That's the third insight. Rhonda, go. All right.
1: So this third insight is that we know that a video game sends them automatically up those stairs to the top level or that top floor. So that's what we need to do. Like Super Improver allows them to improve. It's kind of to me,
0: they're figuring out how to win. That's right. So Rhonda, a kid is in the basement. You can't talk a kid up the stairs out of the basement because if you could talk to them and get them to reason, they wouldn't be in the basement. When you're in the basement, you're not on the top floor and you're incapable of reasoning because you're deep within the brainstem and the alarms are going off in your ears. Talk about that, Rhonda. Well, you can't talk a kid out of the
1: basement. Okay. And I think you, like you said earlier in the podcast, you got to sit down with them, harmonize with them, let them know everything's going to be okay. You even have to change their thinking by popping up that question. What's their favorite color. That's how you're going to get them out of that basement level not just talking about it.
0: So Laura, if listeners look back at all of the podcasts this year, we've been talking about things we can do to get kids into that top floor and change it into a a, a game room. And one of our first was Power Rings. Mm-hmm. Power Rings is a very simple, rapid way to just gamify all of instruction. And it works with Scoreboard and Super Improver and Starrys. So it's nice to know about the three-story brain. Laura, quickly, what is striking you about this new analogy?
2: Well, Coach, I, as I'm sitting here listening, I'm going to go back to something you told me a long time ago when I was struggling with not scolding. And you had told me a long time ago that it's really important that my limbic system, that emotional part of my brain, um, it, I can it cannot match my students' limbic system. And that's something that I've held on to all these years of doing whole brain teaching. It is such it's been such a um, great reminder. So everything that you're you've been talking about here today just really resonates. Um, And reminds me that this is why we need to create those connections and as much as we can, do not scold because we're going to keep those kids in the part of their brain that we don't want them in, where they're not going to be able to problem solve and learn.
0: Uh, When a kid is in the basement, you can't get them out by diving into your own basement.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Rhonda, what's, what's resonating for you, good friend? Well, I just wish I would have had this knowledge back when I was in the you class. I could always go back and teach some more.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't think so. But I don't know. It just has been eye-opening, explaining, you know, why the kids are reacting that way and what best methods to help them get out of that situation, out of that basement level. So, just you've blown me away again. I forgot the suspenders today.
0: <laughs> All right. Fantastic.
1: Well, Coach, you've done it again. Um, this has been such great information. I think it's going to help out a lot of teachers. So again, we want to encourage our listeners to listen and even re-listen to all of Coach's amazing podcasts this season. In addition, head over to Amazon to order your copy of Coach's latest book, Whole Brain Teaching for Challenging Kids, the second edition today. Also, check out our website at www.wholebrainteaching.com for information and videos about Whole Brain Teaching. Don't forget to check out the Whole Brain Teaching official store and Teachers Pay Teachers for free Whole Brain Teaching resources. And finally, don't forget about our Whole Brain Teaching Facebook pages. As you can see, there are so many ways to stay up to date on the latest and greatest that Coach has to offer. And Coach, your knowledge just amazes me. I just You're always bringing something new to the table and to the podcast. So thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. The yes. is don't yeah. eat and don't sleep. <laughs> or at least admit one of those. You get a lot more time.
2: Coach, thank you for all you do. We also want to thank you, our listeners. We do appreciate your comments on the Facebook pages, and we love hearing stories of how you are implementing coaches' strategies in your classroom. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all your teacher friends and your administrator. We couldn't do what we do without you. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye.